Welcome to Slapshot Podcast, episode number 39. I'm your host, Chris Morris. Thank you for being here. Thank you for hanging out with me. Welcome in. That's right. We got a good one today. We got a good one. Damn, hockey's almost here, man. We're almost mid-September. Hockey is just like literally a couple of weeks around the corner. I can't wait. I know. I'm going to say it every time until we get to where we need to be, man. But yeah, I'm excited to be here. Excited to talk about what we're going to talk about. (laughs) I know I was wrong on the last episode, right? Well, I wasn't wrong. Montreal was wrong, right? They should have kept Yasperi Kakanyemi. They didn't, right? In case you live under a rock, you have no idea what's going on. The Carolina Hurricanes officially have acquired Yasperi Kakanyemi. The Montreal Canadiens decided to not match the offer sheet, which means they were compensated with a first and a third round pick. Then Montreal, probably doing much homework, flipped a first round pick and a second round pick to the Arizona Coyotes who are literally just collecting picks at this point for Christian Dvorak. So Dvorak comes to Montreal, Jesperi Kotkaniemi goes to Carolina, Arizona collects more picks so they can continue to finish all the way down in the standings. I honestly think this Arizona team could probably be one of the worst teams ever and that's saying a lot because they are also in a league with the Detroit Red Wings. But anyways, I I mean, this team's going to get worse. And it's just how this goes, right? Just how it goes. All right. So, yes. Everybody knows how I feel. If you don't know how I feel already about it, then that means you probably didn't listen to the first episode, which means you should go back, do that, right? You can get the last episode, episode 38, everywhere you get your podcast. It's on Stitcher. It's on Spotify. It's on Podbean. It's on the YouTube, it's on the Apple Podcasts, it has its own Twitter handle, at Slapshot Podcast, okay? You follow it on Twitter, you can get the podcast anywhere, and anywhere you type Slapshot Podcast on the internet, it should bring you to wherever you want to follow it, so go ahead, do that. Give me a moment here, there you go, thank you. All right, so, look, I don't, at the end of the day, right, Mark Bergevin's press conference kind of gave it away, right? They just, they didn't think it was worth it to pay Kotkaniemi $6.1 million for one season. That's technically what it was, okay? They didn't feel the need to do it. They were much, they would much rather collect the compensation, which was the first and a third round pick. And we know how excited Bergevin gets when we talk about draft picks, right? The man's been collecting them. I think he's jealous of the Arizona Coyotes. Um, (laughs) I mean, because they have every pick almost. And... Well, then he decided again, like I said, to flip a first to flip a first round pick and a second round pick they had in twenty twenty four to Arizona for Christian Dvorak. Now, I'm gonna start off by saying I don't hate Christian Dvorak. I think he's a really good player. I do. He's he's twenty five. He's he's in his prime, right? He does he is basically Philip Deneau, but better. Right? Philip Deneau does a lot of good things. Uh, but Dvorak's a player who can kill, you know, penalties. He can win faceoffs. He's good in all three zones. So you're bringing in a Philip Deneau on a little bit of steroids, right? I, I I wouldn't say much more, but he's obviously better than Phil was. Um, all aspects around his game. So I think that's going to help. Now, I will say this. I still think it's something wild that a team is just willing to give up on a 21-year-old and say, hey, that's how this story ends, right? Because again, and I've iterated 
I've like I've said this to a lot of people, right? If you don't think he's that good, then it means two things have happened. Either you didn't develop him correctly, which is a team problem, or you made the wrong pick at the draft, which is a scouting problem. So, which one is it? Right? It's one or the other. Because again, we have seen if if you're a Habs fan, you've seen this far too many times, right? Talented players out of juniors. And then, you know, they show up to the organization and they just never pan out. I mean, this has been happening for how long now, right? How long? It's It's been forever. So I think that's the part that a lot of Montreal fans are just irritated with, right? Whether you think it's a good deal or not is neither here nor there, right? I see a lot of people say, yeah, take the first-round pick. You thought you were going to go get Jack Eichel with a first-round pick. That's cute. Jack Eichel ain't going anywhere, man. Jack Eichel may not play hockey this year. At this rate, it's not moving anywhere. The Buffalo Sabres are just, what an organization, right? But, I mean, is your team, here's a question I kept asking Hatchfan, right? Would you trade Yasperi Kotkaniemi at a second-round pick Christian Dvorak? Like, straight up, would you make that deal? Regardless regardless of the money. Regardless of the money right now. I I, I know the money was a, was a factor, right? But the, the money just accelerated the process. That's all it did, right? Because Bergevay basically said, well, he's not worth that money, right? Yes, you would have kept him for less. But at the end of the day, if you look at this, this was a three-team deal. That's what it was. Bergevay... And the boys did their homework and said, okay, look, we're going to take these picks that we're going to get and we're going to flip them so we can get a player. But I don't, in any way, I don't think that Christian Dvorak makes your team a lot better. I really don't think it does. Right? And Arizona had offers out for Dvorak, right? They did. They had offers. They had a lot of offers that included a first-round pick. They wanted more. Montreal obviously had more, right? So they go out. I mean, again, a first and a second-round pick kind of seems like a lot to pay for a 25-year-old, right? In my books, it it, it it feels like a lot, right? The contract's not terrible, but, I mean, look. Like, what are we getting here? We're getting a player who's never touched 40 points. Now, I'm going to give him a break, okay, because he plays in Arizona. So it's hard to score goals in Arizona. It's hard to do anything. Do I think he's going to come over to Montreal and be a 50-point player? I mean, I'd like it to happen, but I don't think it's going to happen. I really don't. I just don't think that he's going to have the tools necessary. I don't want to say tools because that's false. He does. I don't think he's going to have the leeway to go out and really, you know, do what we need to do. Montreal has now collected a whole bunch of centers that all look alike, right? They're all good in their own zone. They play 200-foot hockey game, which usually means that the points tend to struggle, right? With the exception of maybe Nick Suzuki, because the man is just different at this point, right? He's different. He plays well in all all three zones, he can contribute. He's a great passer. He's highly skilled, right? I think Suzuki can get away with it. But in Dvorak's case here, right, if you're you're trading him, if you're a Philip Deneau lookalike-ish but younger and costs a little less, 
Like you're going to go out there in situations where you're going to need faceoffs. You're going to play Dvorak and situate a lot of different situations, right? Some of them won't be offensive, right? Nick Suzuki in my book is going to play with Cole Caulfield and I mean I don't know whoever you want to play on that left wing, whether it's Toffoli, whether it's Drouin, whether it's Hoffman. I don't really care at this point because um, Suzuki and Caulfield is the only combo I care about. Now, I obviously, if you asked me, would you trade Kotkaniemi in a second round pick for Dvorak? I would have said no. But I mean, at, at the end of the day, that's what's happened, right? And then think of it like this way. Arizona took him and then just shipped him over, you know, to Carolina. Just think of it like that, okay? Because that's what you've done here. That pick that you got, that extra first-round pick, you don't have it anymore. You, you basically just forget that pick even existed. You just traded, you know, one for one. That's it. And you saved a little bit of money while doing it for, for this year, okay? I still believe that, you know, Kotkaniemi can, can, can continue to develop to be the player that he is. And look, hindsight's going to be 2020 here. It's going to tell us in a couple of years whether this deal worked out or it didn't. And Burst has got a decent track record when it comes to, you know, making moves and stuff. You know, he's done well. Let's not forget, we, we talk about Philip Deneau. Philip Deneau was acquired in a deal that sent Thomas Fleischman and Dale Weiss, I think, to Chicago. I don't remember the Dale Weiss part, but I know the Thomas Fleischman part was well, which Thomas Fleischman signed out of a PTO. Okay? So, I mean, that trade worked out well. There are lots of trades that he's made that also hasn't worked out. We understand that. But at the end of the day, even look at it, the Max Domi for Josh Anderson deal. I think that worked out in year one. We'll find out if it works out in year two, but all this to say, a lot of that stuff works. So, is Bergevin on the right path here? Maybe. I will say this, and I'm going to say it now. If I see Kakanyemi go somewhere else and become the player that we thought he could be in Montreal, right? Which is a, it, it, like, just think of it this way. I don't think Kakanyemi is going to put up 60 next season in Carolina. Carolina's got a much better team, by the way, but I don't think that's going to happen. But if he were to go to Carolina and in two years, start popping points and scoring goals and becoming a great two-way center, then, I mean, man, I just want Bergevin fired from the team and into the sun as fast as possible. I understand that you got here to where you are, right? You were in the Stanley Cup final last season. But you've done nothing to make this team better on paper this this coming year and the division gets a lot harder. So now you're going to, you know, a lot of people like to discredit what happened last season because of the Canadian division, blah, blah, blah. Fine. You still had to win games. Um, but outside of Carey Price, who is only a year older uh, with a body that may fall apart here, defensively, you haven't gotten better, right? Let's forget that Chris Weidman didn't play in the NHL last season. Um, and Shea Weber's not there, and your patch for that is David Savard. Again, nothing against David Savard. Great player. He's not Shea Weber, so let's not get confused here, okay? Offensively, down the middle, you've done very little, right? I in no part, no way feel comfortable with Jake Evans as my third center. I don't. 
Because that means he's going to be playing with some type of talent. Some type of it. And I mean, look, Jake Evans is a great kid. Great. He's actually the same age, if I'm not mistaken, as Christian Dvorak. So, you're the same age, you're two different players. That I understand, okay? Jake Evans has two seasons under his belt. Two seasons that, you know, count against the CBA. He played 13 games in 2019-2020. He played 47 in 2020-2021. He has a total of 16 points in that time. Now, I understand he played fourth-line minutes and all that stuff. Montreal's got an obsession with players who just... You know those players that coaches just love? Philip Deneau was one of those players, you know? The one that people think is good, but in reality, they're probably just average everywhere else. That's what Jake Evans is. Jake Evans is not a good third-line center. I don't think so. I wouldn't bet on it. In some other organizations, he's in the minors. He's a very good AHLer, yes. But I don't think he's got what it takes in the NHL to center a third line and be productive. I don't. I think he's good at what he does. I think he's a fourth-line center and a guy who comes in and out of the lineup who could kill some penalties. That's what Jake Evans is, right? That's what he is. And look at how effective Montreal's fourth line was after he got hurt, kind of-ish, right? That's unfortunate that he got hurt. But when Eric Stahl, Corey Perry, and Yoel Armia were put together, that fourth line wrecked havoc. A lot of havoc. Right? Who's your fourth line now? Tori Lekkanen and Yoel Armia. You can leave them there. Again, neither here nor there for me. Matthew Perot is going to center that line. Fine. I'm perfectly fine with Matthew Perot centering it and or Cedric Paquette. Whichever one. In no way does Matthew Perot or Cedric Paquette become your third line center, right? So you have a cluster of centermen who all look alike, but nobody can really play on that third line, right? And in my book, you didn't go out and replace anybody, right? You let two center walk, and you kind of got one, and you're banking on Jake Evans. And I know people are going to tell me, yeah, but Chris, what about Ryan Paling? I haven't seen anything from Paling that gives me the confidence that he's going to be anything in the NHL above what he was doing, okay? And think about it this way. If you're such a big believer in the Ryan Paling narrative right now, why is Montreal going out and inquiring Cedric Paquette and Matthew Perot and all these guys? If you're such a big believer that he can do something, why are you going out and acquire these guys? Don't tell me his depth. You have a lot of depth setters there. You have a lot. You have a ton of them. Montreal has a ton of depth centermen in the AHL. You can pick whichever one you want. Guys who are just going to be minor leaguers forever. You have a whole bunch. So... You didn't need to do it, right? You didn't need to. But there's no way the organization comes in and says, well, we're comfortable here. And I'm sure there's conversations that we'll never know, right, with management, confirming that they probably don't feel confident about this center group either, right? And it's been a case for Montreal for so long about size down the middle and this and that. I mean, that's literally why they drafted Kakanyemi was to play center. We thought we had solved all our center problems that we thought Alex Galchenyuk solved earlier, but that didn't work either. 
It's a long list of failures at center for the Montreal Canadiens. It's a long list of failures at the draft. And it's even worse when, of course, you look at the player drafted, you know, after Kakanyemi, and it's Brady Kachuk who's probably going to get paid. The kid runs around, hits everything, shoots a ton. Type of super pest. A Brad Marchand, but a lot younger, probably. Minus the licking, I guess. Brady, don't go out and lick anybody, okay? But it's definitely annoying as a Habs fan to watch this, you know, poop show happen. So, yeah, I don't think it's a great idea. Again, nothing against Christian Dvorak. Really good player. But you didn't make yourself better by adding him. You didn't. And then there were rumblings on Twitter about, you know, Jacob Chikrin. Personally, I probably would have used some of those first and second round picks and a player to try to acquire a player like Jacob Chikrin. That's a player I could get excited about. Not Christian Dvorak. But you have an issue, right? You had to clog another center hole that you've tried, that, that you've spent 10 years, at least 10 years, okay? Do you know that the last duo, fun fact, I know you don't know, the last duo to score 20 goals or more, one-two center combo, Saku Koivu and Thomas Plakanitz. 06, fun fact, someone told me. That's a bit of, like, we're 2021. It's been a while since a center core has had two 20-goal scores. I mean, shit. I think Pittsburgh's had a 20-goal score at center for the, I mean, probably not since 06 consistently because Geno's been unable to stay healthy. and Crosby's been hurt as well, but probably a lot, right? And look at your favorite team. Down the middle, they've probably had some players who can produce a lot, right? Montreal doesn't have that. They don't have centermen who can produce. They don't. And you have a lot of centermen who just look alike. They're all the same. They're guys who are good 200 feet of the ice. But they're not elite. I think Nick Suzuki can be elite, yes. But I I mean, here's, here's what I hope Nick Suzuki can turn up into, right? Because, I mean, nobody's going to be... I don't think anybody's going to be Sidney Crosby. Sidney Crosby's on a whole other level of centerman, by the way. Like, in case you forgot just how elite this man is, right? Because I know he's been in the league for, like, ever now, right? But in my book, if Nick Suzuki could be a smaller version of Anze Kopitar, then you've done pretty well, right? Again... Nobody's ever going to be Crosby. Let's not get that confused, right? Nobody will ever be the great Pavel Datsuk. Let's not get that confused either, right? But if he can turn out to be like Anze Kopitar in any way or a comparable close to that, that's a pretty good day. If Suzuki can be a player who can finish with 75-plus points, kill penalties, play the power play, be defensively responsible as well, that's an all-around great player. I'd be okay with that. But that's one player. And we need the rest of them to kind of fill out here. And again, I'm looking at what Montreal's potential lineup could be. And I see Jake Evans is there. Again, say what you want about Philip Deneau and whatnot. But, you know, heading into last season, you had Nick Suzuki. 
You had Yasperi Kakiyama. You had Philip Deneau. You didn't know who was going to play where or how they were going to go about it. But you had three centermen who could play. Well, Philip Deneau wanted too, too much money. You got to let him walk. Fine. Let it happen. Now you've gotten rid of Yasperi Kakiyama because you don't want to pay him for maybe two seasons. Fine. Let him walk. But what have you done to go out and replace them in order to give your team a chance? Because, I mean, let's be honest, right? Like the Atlantic Division is absolute hell, right? The, the Toronto Maple Leafs are part of that division. Really good team. Oh, by the way, the back-to-back Stanley Cup champions, the Tampa Bay Lightning are there, okay? Let's forget the Ottawa Senators. They're rebuilding, right? The Montreal Canadiens. The Florida Panthers, by the way, very good team. Probably got a lot, probably got better as well on paper. They're in there. Let's forget the Detroit Red Wings even exist in hockey. I mean, Buffalo, we don't need, let's just eliminate Buffalo from the planet. Uh, And then the Boston Bruins, who continue to be a good team no matter what. That's your division. That's your Atlantic division. On paper, if you include the Montreal Canadiens, you got one, two, three, four, five good teams. You have five teams. You got three spots, right? You got three spots. Because let's face it, by the way, there's only going to be three spots in the Atlantic Division, right? The wild card spots are coming from the Metropolitan Division. We already know that, right? Like, let's let's not kid ourselves here, okay? In the Eastern Conference, you got three teams coming out of the Atlantic Division, and that's it, right? So if you don't finish top three in that division good chance you don't make the playoffs, right? Because again, that Metro division is hella loose now, right? The Devils got better on paper. The Carolina Hurricanes got better on paper. The Columbus Blue Jackets, anyways, the Columbus Blue Jackets. The New York Islanders are still a very good team. They added Zach Parise as well. Good depth there. The Rangers should be better as well. The Philadelphia Flyers are a wild card. Who knows? The Pittsburgh Penguins are a good team. The Washington Capitals are a good team. So, Again, you got a lot of teams there. The Metro Division is a lot better than the Atlantic Division. Let's not kid anybody here. Yes, I know the Tampa Bay Lightning are back-to-back Stanley Cup champions. Good for you. The Metro Division should be the division of hell. Right? The Atlantic Division is good. The Metro Division is even better. So, if you're not finishing top three in that division, tell me right now. Right? I'm going to give the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Toronto Maple Leafs a spot. Okay? I think they've earned it. <laughs> I think the Tampa Bay Lightning have earned it. Right? However, they go about cap circumventing. And the Toronto Maple Leafs are in the same conversation. The Toronto Maple Leafs have a really, really good regular season team. Okay. They also get to play Ottawa, Detroit, and Buffalo a lot. So that's going to help them even more. So that leaves you with Montreal, Florida, and Boston. Are you telling me that the Montreal Canadiens on paper are better than the Florida Panthers and the Boston Bruins today, right now? No, they're not. So you're going to need some miracles to happen, right? I know seasons are long. There's 82 games in a season. A whole bunch of things can happen, okay? Again, maybe, you know, maybe Toronto struggles a little bit, and I don't know, they finish third or something. I don't I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we see the Metro did division struggle a little bit, and then Toronto creeps in there as maybe the fourth team, okay? Again, are the Montreal Canadiens better and the Boston Bruins of the Florida Panthers. They're certainly not better than Tampa Bay Lightning and the Toronto Maple Leafs on paper. I know Montreal got past Toronto in the playoffs. Good. Good. I mean, is that them being good or is that the Toronto Maple Leafs being cursed? It's probably a little bit of both, right? Leaf fans, y'all cursed forever. 
You'll never make it out of the first round. Never. I have time to die. And the Toronto Maple Leafs are still going to be eliminated in the first round of the playoffs. So, on paper, you didn't get better. Which means you have a couple of options, which is to look for players, right, who you can invite on professional tryouts. We've heard all these different types of conversations about players they can bring in, right? Tyler Bozak. Travis Zajac. Is that like, does that make you happy? Ryan Donato. Younger kid, 25 years old. Are these any, like, am I saying any name that's exciting you? No, not one. Not one. You don't want to go out and get players or sign them to professional tryouts and hope something is going to happen, right? It's not going to happen. You know that. You know it's not going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. So what's your solution here down the middle? Now that you've let you've let a prize go. You've let a prize go. You've let a player that you continue to, that you've drafted third overall. This is the second time we drafted centerman third overall that hasn't worked out, by the way. Welcome to the club, right? Kakanyemi is going to be like that player that you used to know. The player that we thought was going to be good. Remember that girl's reaction in Montreal when they drafted Jesperi Kakanyemi and her jaw dropped? Yeah, remember her? Well, there you go. I guess she ended up winning. At the end of the day, for me, th- this doesn't make your team better on paper. It doesn't. And now you have an uphill battle. So, are you a playoff team next year? It's going to be close. To me, I think it's going to be close. It's going to be close for Montreal. Do they have the weapons up front for, a, for for the first time in a long time? Yes, they do. Right, Their wingers are, to me, are good. Right, Cole Caulfield can shoot the puck. Let's not. Mike Hoffman is a good shooter. Jonathan Drouin was having a strong season before he, you know, didn't want to play anymore. Brandon Gallagher is Brandon Gallagher. You know what you're going to get out of him. Tyler Spoli and Josh Anderson had really strong first seasons. Tori Lekkonen and Yoel Armia just need to survive. And you're fine. But for the first time in a long time, Montreal's, I guess their Achilles heel is their defense. They're not good defensively, or at least they don't look to be on paper. This isn't a team that's getting quicker. It's a team that's getting slower. Right? Carry Price is Carry Price. I, I, I don't think that changes. I think that's, you know, with Jake Allen supporting him that's a good tandem we we saw what jake allen was able to do we saw at what point montreal was willing to go carry price and the montreal Canadiens willing to go to protect jake allen right so if you don't think he's important well you're you're wrong he's a really good backup he's part of the reason that montreal was able to get to where they got and be competitive jake allen was definitely part of that reason he was good Carey Price is good too. Carey Price, we know what you're going to get out of him, right? When when elite Carey Price shows up, nobody's beating him. Nobody, right? Nobody's beating him. So don't get confused, okay? Don't get confused. Again, have they got have, have the Montreal Canadiens gotten better on the back end? No, they haven't. They're not better. They're a year older. And they're probably slow, right? Ben Sherratt's getting older. 
you know, Joel Edmondson, Jeff Petrie can do what they need to do. We'll see how, you know, Romanov and Savard. I, I, I guess it's more Romanov, right? He's the wild card factor. Because I think he could be a really good defenseman if you play him and you live with the mistakes that he's sometimes going to make. David Savard, I think, is a good player, right? Is he coming in here to replace Shea Weber? No. And I don't think anybody expects him to. And then you have Chris Weidman, who, oh, by the way, uh, didn't play in the NHL last season. And we felt the need to sign him, right? Felt the need to sign a 31-year-old defenseman and say, hey, we got nobody else available, right? Nobody else. Just to put it into perspective, okay? Like, Chris Weidman, again, defensive defenseman, Played a whole bunch of years um, in Ottawa, right? And then 2018, 2019, played 19 games in Ottawa, played five in Edmonton. He played one in Florida. Okay, spent most of the time in the AHL or a decent part of that season in the AHL as well. In 2019, 2020, spent the entire year with the San Diego Gulls, right? The American Hockey League of the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, and then last year, played in the KHL. So, Montreal decides it was a good idea to give him some money. Say, hey, come on over. We don't have anybody on defense, right? Which is true. They don't really have much, right? They got some good kids, yes. But do they have anybody that can really, you know, maybe they're saving that spot for, you know, Caden Gooley. That's probably the player you want to take that spot. But he's 19, right? So let's give him a moment, right? Before we just push him into the fire, right? And Xavier will let, I mean, I mean, like he's the seventh defenseman, okay? So again, Montreal's defense just doesn't inspire confidence. And the entire center core down the middle doesn't either. Are they going to bring in somebody from a PTO? Probably. Don't be shocked when they sign an aging veteran to clog up their middle a little bit. Because they have no choice at this point. You have no choice. You have no choice. Unless you think Matthew Perot is that player. Right? I think maybe we do see Cedric Pocket there. I think we do see him on the fourth line. I really do. And I know there's a lot of conversations about, you know, like, again, I don't know what you're going to get out of Ryan Paling. And I, I, I want to be on the on the side of him having success. I do. I want to see Ryan Paling do stuff. I, I'm the first to say that I want to see it. I want to see him be good in the NHL. I really do. He's 22, by the way. He's one year older than KK. He's one year older. But he hasn't ever, I mean, he hasn't really taken off. He played one game. Remember that game, his first game he got called up in Toronto at the end of the 2018-29 season? I know you remember. He scored a hat-trick, remember? That was it. That was it. Right. After that, nothing much. Right. He finished at St. Cloud State and then he came up and he played one game and he was really good. 
right? And then 2019, 2020 showed up. He didn't, you know, he played a bunch of games. But, I mean, if if you think he can be something, don't play him on the fourth line. That's not the role he's got to play. And he struggled in it, right? And then he went to Laval, and, I mean, he was okay. He was okay. Last season, he was pretty good. Last season, he was decent, right? But it's 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 a shortened season. You didn't play a lot of teams. Again, different beast. But are you really betting on Ryan Paling with his 28 games of experience and his five points? Again, I want I want him to succeed. I do. But where like where are you playing him? Sure, there there's a spot for him. Again, there's a spot for him on that third line. Between whoever and whatever. You want to play him with Drouin and Gallagher? Go ahead. But you probably want Gallagher to play some of those good matchups, right? You really do. Personally, right? You'll probably have Brendan Gallagher on one side. You're going to have Christian Dvorak on the, you know, in the middle. You're going to have Tyler Toffoli on another line. You're going to have those three players play against your opposing team's top players, right? You don't want Suzuki, Caulfield, and I'm going to go out here and say probably Mike Hoffman gets a start there, right? Nick Suzuki's got amazing talent, right? He can feather the puck anywhere. We know Cole Caulfield can shoot. And I think that maybe frees up some space for Mike Hoffman, who, by the way, can shoot the puck, who, by the way, can also play the power play, right? And then your third line, you got Josh Anderson one. You can put Ryan Paling in the middle of it. You can put Jonathan Drouin on the other side. Jonathan Drouin refuses to shoot. So good. Give it to Josh Anderson. Big body who drives the net. You can get Ryan Paling, another big body as well. Ryan Paling isn't a small little kid here. He's 6'2", you know, 200-something. That's a big boy. That's a big boy. So a lot of big boys on one line with Jonathan Drouin who can definitely contribute. There's a lot of things to like there. There is. I want to see him succeed. But initial thoughts of him so far, Montreal Brass doesn't think it's going to happen that quickly. Because, again, you don't go out and get a whole bunch of depth players if you don't think somebody can take off. And I think that's normal for them to want to pull back a little bit here. Because everybody thought Kakanyemi's going to take off, right? And he didn't. Didn't happen. You made room for him. Didn't happen. Didn't get better. Again, I want to see Ryan Paling succeed. But I'm not buying his jersey right away. I'm not. That's how I feel about the Christian Dvorak deal. That's how I feel about the Montreal Canadiens in general. And that is the podcast for today, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you again. Thank you for being here. I appreciate you guys. I appreciate the support after the first episode that came out. You guys loved it. It was downloaded a whole bunch of times. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for supporting the podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you follow the podcast on Twitter at Slapshot Podcast. Again, you can get it on Stitch, you can get it on Spotify, you can get it on Podbean, you can get it on the Apple Podcast, you can get it on the YouTube as well. If you head over to at Slapshot Podcast, you can find the link to each one of those platforms. Okay, so go ahead and do that. You can follow me on Twitter at FuzzyChris91. Go ahead and do yourself the pleasure of following me. All right, hockey season's right around the corner here, folks. It's coming, so, like, you know, get your helmet on, get your shoulder pads on. 
Like, it's going to happen here. It's going to be a good time. All right? Thanks for hanging out with me. We'll talk again in the next episode. Yeah.